Welcome to Guys We Fuck. The Anti-Slut Chaining Podcast. Yo, you haven't said that? I'm Christina Hutchinson. I'm Corinne Fisher. And I'm your boyfriend. Bring us your slutty, your horny, and your shame. Hey, you a slut? Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> What up, fuckers? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Guys We Fuck. It's the Anti-Slut Chaming Podcast. I'm Corinne Fisher. I'm Christina Hutchinson. Welcome to the show. Oh if God. you haven't watched our special, it's called, uh, called it's called our special day. It's on YouTube. It's, it's YouTube.com slash Guys We Fuck. Yeah. Without the you and fucked. Mm-hmm. Do it. Leave a comment. Like it. Subscribe Share to our it. YouTube page. Uh, these are all amazing free things that you can do. We put a lot of heart and a lot of money um, into uh-huh. that into that special and uh we stand by it it's a good fucking product you know i fucking tell you if it wasn't good yeah i say things aren't good all the time <laughs> including my own daily stuff. ask my manager he's like you literally never think anything you do is good and he like yeah, well, he's like you, you thought this was good and he was like that speaks volumes and i said yes it does thank you oh. christopher oh good thing is rent the runway Damn it. Was that coffee or water? Yeah. yeah. Just, I just listener? missed my mouth. I miss my mouth all the time. I do it too. Fuck. Or the ice will knock in and then the water and the flow will come to. I know there's Ugh. no ice in that, but. Ugh. Ugh. Well, anyway, well, watch our special. Our special day, <laughs> youtube.com slash guys we fucked without the you in fucked. And then if you're a luminary subscriber, then you get two bonus episodes of guys we fucked per month where Corinne and I divulge our most personal dreams and hopes and fears and goals. And uh, we listen to your, we read out your emails. Sorry about last night show at gmail.com. They're such fun email. episodes. We just recorded one. Honestly. They're very interesting. They're great. Um, all right. So if you want to email us, it's sorry about last night show at gmail.com. Make that subject line specific. Uh, edit, read it back to yourself. Look in the mirror. Say, yeah. nah, how do I feel about this? Mm. Um, uh, this one is called, how do I stop being gaslit at my dream job by the man I replace? Oh. Kill him. Interesting. First, thank Don't you. Don't do that, Jack. You both have inspired me to go out and do good in this world. You have done so much for women, and I really don't think we can all thank you enough. (laughs) That's nice. (laughs) It's me typing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I will continue to support you both as much as I can, whether it's going to see your first caveat performance. I was the one that got kissed on the forehead by her oral surgeon after her wisdom teeth were pulled. I remember that. And was high on a kite on sweet air. I remember that. Or to Luminary. I know it's hard work, but please continue to be the badass bitches you are for as long as you possibly can okay we'll do thanks this is my second time writing in well we usually scare people off so this is really a testament to how much you love us um the first time was a few years back and I'm praying that you totally pass that email up because I was such a dumb bitch. <laughs> and after overcoming that dumb bitchery, I am writing in with a problem that I believe most women are facing, especially now. Please bear with me the backstory um, as I promise it is all relevant to my current situation. Okay. On top of this crazy pandemic, 2020, 2021 has arguably been one of the most challenging years in my life. I say arguably because let's just say my life has been a wild ride. I had open art surgery as a baby. Oh, wow. And my husband was diagnosed with MS in 2017, uh, just to name a few events. Uh, Throughout it all, I've remained pretty positive person. My marriage has seen its ups and downs, but through hard work and lots of communication with each other and therapy, we have worked through a bunch of shit. It will always be work, but it will always be worth it. Very sweet. After a ton of consideration, seven years of marriage, some of them being pretty rocky, and in an effort to bring some brightness and positivity into this dark and dingy world, we wanted to start a family. We spoke to all our doctors went through a ton of tests and were finally giving the green light in June of 2020 to start trying. Um, 
We were told that it could take us up to a year to get pregnant due to my age. For God's sake, I was 35. Jesus. Yeah, geriatric baby. Uh, And my heart condition. My husband and I took this as an opportunity to have a little fun during the pandemic. But to everyone's surprise, it didn't take up to a year. It took me a week to get pregnant. Yes, a week. I know a lot of people um, my age, I'm 36, who got pregnant very quickly. So don't let doctors shade you like that. Um, But also, it could take a long time. So like, if it's really important to you, don't wait fucking forever. Um, Throughout this endeavor, I was working as an office manager at a PR and marketing firm, and it was a pretty toxic environment. Mm. I wasn't just an office manager. Uh, I went above and beyond in my role at this company. There's your first mistake. Mm. Uh, As an office (laughs) manager, I'm I'm the queen of overworking, and it's never (laughs) served me in any way. Uh, As an office manager, I handled the everyday operations of the office, but I was also given clients and served as an assistant to two partners at the firm. It took them six years to finally promote me had you asked, uh, and give me somewhat of a decent raise. Had you asked, uh, it was a boys club. I was constantly in a conference room full of men who would blab for hours and in the end, hand me all the work to do. Mm. Yeah. seems like a good plan. Honestly, just do what they're doing all while I know for a fact that my male colleagues made a substantial amount more than me for the last four years of my tenure there. I did everything I could to leave, went on all kinds of interviews, networked as much as I could. The only reason I stayed for so long was I had decent benefits and no real prospects. Mm. <laughs> oh, I like that. That whole no real prospects thing. I like that. That's, that's like a good name for a book. No Decent real. benefits and no real prospects. The I only reason it. I stayed was because I had no choice. <laughs> In March of 2020, like most companies, we closed the office and I implemented a whole work from home plan for the company. Yes, me. I did it by myself, fully making us functional. I continue to work at home even harder than I worked in the office, juggling clients and pretty much a virtual office. When we were told we could start a family, I knew this was the beginning of the end of my time at this company. I just didn't expect it to play out as it did. Throughout my pregnancy, I continued to work. I put in super long days, all while being a high-risk pregnancy. I hated being pregnant, and the women who say they love it are out of their minds. (laughs) And throughout all the fatigue, extra doctor's appointments, and all the other fun things that come with pregnancy, I I worked up until the day I was Jesus. That's crazy. My beautiful baby boy is born and I feel nothing. Mm. Let me tell you, postpartum depression is a fucking bitch. And having this baby will be one of the most, if not the most hardest things I will have ever done. And I've jumped off the stratosphere in Las Vegas. Oh my God. It's crazy though. If you, if you would, I just recently stayed in a room at the stratosphere and you go, well, if the room's functioning like this fucking thing on the top of it, I'm going to die. Like, wow. Uh oh. That's good. not good. <laughs> Once again, after hard work and a lot of leaning on my husband, this is another thing I continue to work on overcoming. I decided to take four months of maternity that's leave. It? Oh, it's not a lot. I was time. I was literally thinking, like, oh, that's a great amount of time. Oh, no, that's, that's nothing. No, it's so sad for America though, know, because it sounds America like a great sucks. amount of time. My fucking therapist is pregnant. She's taking six to eight weeks, but she's, oh. but she's works, from, you know, she works from home a lot. So, yeah. uh, all while slightly panicking about being a mom, my new demanding role and going back to work, which was just as demanding, mm. but two months into my maternity leave, something wonderful happens. I get an email from a person I previously entered, interviewed with a few years back for a major.com during the first go round. I made it to the very end of the interview process only to lose the position to someone internally a man. I was heartbroken. I sporadically remained in touch with the person I interviewed with throughout the years. Nah, and I am so happy I did. That was a good move. Um, In May of 2020, I received an email for the aforementioned person. 
The email uh, starts with a few pleasantries and a congratulations on the baby, which she saw on social media. Towards the end of the email, she adds, hey, I'm hiring. Might you want to put your name into the hat again? Uh, What did I have to lose? Nothing. So two months into my maternity leave, there I am interviewing for what would become the greatest move in my professional career. I don't go back to my previous company. Uh, Again, not the way I planned, but I did leave on good terms and in Uh, July of 2021, I embark on this whole new adventure. I'm a new mom, also trying to learn a new role at a new major company. How I did it, am doing it, is beyond me. Most days I work while also taking care of my son all by myself. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All while battling this postpartum depression that leaves me in tears on a regular basis. Do they make medicine for that? I'm in tears on a regular basis. I I think it's just an antidepressant. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, (laughs) honestly, yeah. I mean, hopefully you can you're getting help. But that sucks. Uh, Oh, did I mention we also bought a house, moved in with my parents while we get the house move in ready all before the close of 2021. But I continue to pull myself up and push on through uh, throughout each of these major life events. And I try to stay positive in front of my son as much as I can. This is my dream job. I am now a community manager repping one of the most diverse markets in the county. Uh, my supervisor, the person I kept in touch with is now my current supervisor. Uh, and she's this badass woman who is probably the best manager I've ever had. She's supportive and kind, but also runs a tight ship. I'm on a team, uh, with some amazing women and men that constantly uplift each other. We work as a team and help each other whenever we can. I can't begin to tell you how refreshing this is. There's just one issue. Uh. Um, so I was reading this like back thing. Okay. Um, there is just one issue. The previous person that was in my role is still at the company, but across the country. And at first he was a great resource, but this suddenly shifted and slowly but surely he began gaslighting me. He would constantly chat with me to, quote, give me tips, really mansplain things on a regular basis. And several times he would speak to potential people I might be working with and explain to me uh, what should needs to be done. There are many more examples, but I'm trying to be as vague as possible. After confiding in one of my coworkers, I was validated, validated that this was happening. And apparently this has been an ongoing problem. He is in no way my superior at this company, and I will not go through what I've been through at my previous company. If there is one thing I've learned, it's that I have to start standing up for myself. The problem is I don't know how in this scenario. Tell the fucking manager. I brought this to my supervisor's attention, and she did not like it one bit, but I'm not sure how much she can do. Talk to the guy. She's already on your side, so that's great. This really is my dream job. I'm able to support a community I care about deeply, especially during these tough times. I quickly excelled in this role without the help of my predecessor right. because I am awesome at what I do. And as someone who has been the person before uh, at a certain point, like the person who left the job is just fucking tired of hearing from the news person. It has nothing to do with jealousy. It's just like, I left that job. I don't want to continuously like hold your hand through it. Right. Uh, I know now this because I am being encouraged rather than being pushed down by my work environment. Good. I'm constantly finding new ways to work with NPOs and I'm able to bring awareness to social issues through my work. I just wish I didn't have this hindrance. Hmm. And if this is happening to me, how many more women is it happening to across the country? How are we ever supposed to reach our potential if we are constantly being cut down? How do we overcome this? I mean, I think you're making this a larger problem now. Yeah. I mean, I think she's just saying like, this is probably happening in lots of offices. And you're right. It probably fucking is. But we have, but you got to say, but you got to say something to this guy. Oh, fucking kick this guy in a d- dick. We send him, a, that, send him but... glitter in a fucking car. Well, why, why don't you just stop the train, step on the brakes and go, hey, whoa, 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 whoa. You keep giving me unsolicited advice here and that needs to stop. 
I mean, I would just. Then that's all you say. He's not even in the office. Just block him. Yeah. Oh, don't even answer. Because he him has anymore. some power. Like maybe he has a power thing. Which okay, whatever. It's it has nothing to do with you. But just tell him to take that somewhere else. You're not interested. Y- yeah. I mean, you don't because women. We we got it. We can't. I feel like we can't just say like, oh, I'm being treated disrespectfully. Okay. Then what are the next steps to to do something about it? Yeah, you told the manager was just great. She was on your side, and that's another great thing because so often the person that you tell doesn't give a shit, and it's wonderful that yeah. she that she does care. And you're right; she only has you know x amount of power. Um, if you have HR, you can write up a formal complaint. I'm guessing it's a big dot com. You have HR, go yeah. to HR and speak to them. Um, you know, uh, screenshot these kind of um, interactions that you're having with this person. It's very easy to pr- to prove it because it's all in fucking writing because mm-hmm. he's not even in the same office and. After after that, you say uh, you you know very shortly say to him the next time he approaches you, thanks so much, but um, mm-hmm. it, this is my position now, and I'm gonna uh, do it how I see fit, which might yeah. not be the same way that you ran it. Thank you so much for your time. Have a great day, and then you block him, and we you have to, talk get, to him again. Yeah, we Done. have to. I think as women, we have to get better at managing our own reactions to men who talk down to us. I I, I wonder because I wonder if that has something to has uh, a plays a part in it yeah like, you're worried about coming off a cr- uh, as a bitch don't worry about right. it right yeah you're you just, fine don't yeah yeah well i mean what did what why is this guy still contacting her because i mean I, I, for no who reason knows, really. a lot of times in a work environment you do have a you do end up talking to the person who previously held your position that is normal but number one there has to be a timeline for when that ends for both parties yeah, mental also, isn't health he annoyed by that yeah yeah no i mean he obviously like loves it or something but like right. this is just yeah you set the he boundary must. you stick by the boundary and then if he continues to contact you you fucking block him and mm-hmm. you have you have every right if the company has a problem with you blocking him you have every right to do that you've talked to your mat you've you've reported it to your manager you've already put in an hr uh complaint and a big dot com uh especially in 2022 should be far more worried about this guy fucking with you yeah. than you hurting this oh, guy's yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah trust me it's in their best fiscal interest to uh make sure you feel good yeah so you're doing a great job you're absolutely killing it and just focus on that like no job is going to come without with no fucking hindrances nothing right. is absolutely perfect but it seems like this is really great and this is just taking energy out of your diet that doesn't you don't need to worry about yeah it. it's fine tell him who's boy this guy's no no tell him it's no not one. him he's no one you know he's yeah. dead to you and me out of here man yeah <laughs> this show is sponsored by better help getting stuff off your chest is incredible it's so therapeutic we all carry around different stressors some of them are big some of them are small a lot of them are very big Uh, but we keep them bottled up and it could start affecting us negatively and then we act like a jerk to the people we love and we're like this is not how i want to be therapy has saved my life personally there are so many benefits of it it empowers you to be the best version of yourself and it isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma although if you have experienced major trauma highly recommend if you're thinking of starting therapy Give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designated to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a questionnaire, and you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you could switch at any time. Finding a therapist is like dating. They're not all going to work out in the first try. BetterHelp understands that. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com guys to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com guys. Guys, the weather's getting warmer. It's time to say goodbye to your jackets and all your sweaters, and you got to refresh your wardrobe. Well, luckily... 
I found Quince. And now you have too, because you're listening to this. Now I've got a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And if you go to their website, the amount of categories, they have travel, lookbooks, men, women, home, babies, and kids. Their stuff is so cute. So I own a couple items from Quince, and one of them is the Italian leather hand-woven crossbody purse in green, emerald, and I get compliments on it all the time. It's a small purse, which I really love because then I don't put as many things in it. Um, Guys, Quince is amazing. They have very luxury items for very cheap prices. Get warm weather ready, baby, with Quince. Go to Quince.com slash GWF for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash GWF to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash GWF. Guys, come see us live. Baltimore, Maryland. I'm headlining Magoobies uh, March 24th through the 26th. London, UK. I'm going to be in you May 12th. Dublin, May 13th. And the Voices in Our Heads, my solo podcast is available. New episodes are only on patreon.com slash Christina Hutchinson. And Fort Collins, Colorado, April 15th and 16th. I'll be at the Comedy Fort for uh, four shows total. Uh, like I mentioned, a lot of people have already bought tickets to that uh, because it's only like an hour outside Denver, very close. It's basically a suburb of Denver, I'm going to call it. Um, so if you want to get a ticket to that, get a ticket ASAP. The link is in the link tree link in my bio on Instagram, which is at philanthropy gal. The link is also at corinnefisher.com because I updated my website. Look at me go. Um, and then you can listen to Without a Country, which is my uh, political news podcast with Shane Smith, who you've heard here. Uh, he is the guy I fucked. Um, but that is every Saturday. It comes out on all platforms as well as full video on YouTube. And um, it's fun. And it's a fun way to take in the news. And I know sometimes, you know, the news isn't as interesting as what I'm wearing or what lipstick color I have on. But I do recommend like knowing a little bit. And even if it's not for me, that's how that's how much I think it's important to know about what's going on in the world. Even if you just read the regular news, <laughs> just please know a little bit about what's going on. I last week, um, Shane was out of town and I actually did an, a whole episode about Ukraine and Russia to break it down because I'm learning along with you guys. This is not, this is not something where I'm an expert. It's not like this show where you write it in and we're like, yeah, we got you. Um, it's like, I'm fucking fumbling and trying to learn uh, words and territories and why people are in wars along oh, with you. I have a quote. I mean, I have oh, a you do? Quote. Yeah. Yes. Um, uh, but uh, it's uh, it's a good way to learn and be informed instead of just, I think these days people want to be informed, but they don't want to take the time. So they'll just kind of take these like really hard stances, but have nothing to back it up with. And that makes us all look like fucking morons. So let's not do that. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, Without a Country podcast. And keep reading and reviewing Guys We Fucked podcast on Apple Podcasts. We saw so many amazing reviews come in. Yeah. A couple of content ones, but whatever, I'll take yeah. it. Um, mostly good ones. And, you know, you can leave whatever kind of review you want. The reviews really fucking help um, keep us up on the charts. It's not just about, like, listenership. There's a lot of random shit that goes into those Apple podcast charts. Uh, but one thing for sure is when you leave a review, it's super duper helpful for us. So if you've been listening for a long time and haven't done it yet... 
please do that. We see the new ones coming in and we appreciate them so, so much. Yeah, don't think we don't look at that because Corinne does. <laughs> uh, and then follow us on social media. We're at Guys We Fucked on all platforms without the you and fucked. Watch our special day on youtube.com slash guys we fucked you can also watch the dumb bitch woo hour for free so, good. so much content yeah and we're on tiktok at guys we fucked as yeah. well without the you and fucked all right speaking of tiktok speaking of tiktoks big news oh yeah did you upload that to tiktok too uh, uh yeah it wasn't beeped, no heat no 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 heat on tiktok but yeah that's all right Not a lot of third-eyed blind fans uh, on, uh, on TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um steven jenkins man lead singer of call me horny for you uh yeah i posted the, i was getting clips for uh for the podcast and there was one where we talked about stephen jenkins and you know <laughs> telling our listeners to get out of toxic relationships but then wanting to fuck the shit out of him and uh yeah and then he is intrigued so I'll take it. That's a little, that's above bemused. That's what he said. He said he's intrigued. Stephen Jenkins personally commented on uh, Christina's page. Uh-huh. And then I pinned it. Uh-huh. And, and I was like, Corinne, what do I say back? I can't ruin this. Well, Christina was walking through the forest, so she didn't even right. know that I it happened for yeah. a couple hours. <laughs> right. I'm fucking texting her. Yeah, I texted, yeah. I'm texting Mike. I'm like, can someone? Yeah, we had a whole long conversation about it. <laughs> I was moments away from me, uh, from telling everyone on Instagram to keep tagging you until you were responded <laughs> because i was like fuck you know i was just out in the woods stone looking at trees and then and then third eye blind the official band page reposted it and they called us their favorite podcast yeah. i mean that's fucking cool man Huge. so Dude. i did then go and update the bio you will notice yeah, saw- on the guys we fucked instagram page <laughs> i i have officially named us uh third eye blinds favorite podcast so goddamn right motherfuckers yeah so take that everyone else yeah exactly I oh mean, it's so funny the things in this career that will make us happy because I, I know everyone's like they're very specific no one's impressed except for us yeah and i don't care but we're right I'm, we're i'm so Ryan wrong was I, impressed i may have told a few friends because he's our age <laughs> okay yeah people our guy, age it's like they're, they're i told the guy who's featuring for me in portland i was like you know third eye blind he's like of course i'm like steven jane is yeah. intrigued that i want to fuck them so <laughs> if you're like 20 you probably don't care so now, so but if now, you're 30 something two to 30 36 anything. i would say 28 to 45 you'll care okay yeah yeah because we're at that concert there was a, there was gaps in age there's a lot mm-hmm. of age but then i was looking for like okay yeah i heard he's a he's like a prick or whatever but okay all right you know, that's just what we heard, Stephen. If you're listening, don't don't. Yeah, but also take that person. But also, if you're, fame yeah. fame is a mental illness, and hot, so yeah. yeah, yeah, I know. Kinda and it's like to be a prick. I know. So I'm like, that's kind of the prick, a prick that I could work with. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? And there she is, yeah. everyone. Oh, okay. She's yeah. back, baby. Yeah. Christina's no, I wrote, back. What did I write down? I go, I was, I was, I was like getting ready for bed last night, just laughing. I'm like, the patterns, the patterns that I personally repeat and express often are so obvious where I'm like literally in my apartment, like, how can I get Steven Jenkins like fall in love with me? And I'm like, Christina, no, stop. Back away from the toxic man. So did- back up. How do I woo a famous person who will definitely ruin my life? <laughs> in like a fun way. I don't think you can ruin my life. In a fun, sexy way. I said that. That was that was my fa- famous last words before the James incident. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, yeah, that, that never two and say a half never. year incident. So, <laughs> the incident. Never say never. <laughs> did, did, did he DM you? Uh, at no, all? he didn't. He didn't no? DM me. But I said I, I was asking Corinne what I should say. 
um, back to him and she was like, you know, be flirty, whatever. I, I And I said, uh, hey, if you're in the market for a muse, hit me up. And I put the wet sign, like the wet emoji. Mm. It's like I'm wet when I think about them. So sure. I, that's why I put I that it. one. I um, said the comment has to smell like sex. We're working <laughs> online. Yes, I just don't have a lot of time. <laughs> Pussy. We don't know when he's going to get bored. He's famous, busy man. Yeah. yeah. You got to get him. Yeah, you got to hook him. That's going tour. Yeah, but I didn't hook him. But you know, well, I'll didn't think of he DM me you initially? When, yeah, yeah. From the because oh, so I tagged I, him in a photo yes. from the concert, and yes. he was like, "Oh," and he and he right away he was like, "I vocally was off that show because I could tell he was singing an octave lower." But I was like, "It's okay, it's all good, whatever." Octave you're in. Well, it's good that he felt insecure <laughs> enough uh, with you to share that with you. Yeah, you better be on your toes, bitch. Yeah, that's how you lure. Be on your toes, bitch. <laughs> Again, if you know, if we're gonna enter a toxic relationship anyway, let's start well it on fun. a toxic note. 100%. Yeah. Sense. Always start a toxic relationship with but see, humility. Yeah, look yes. for the cracks, honestly, <laughs> and then take a wrench yeah. and put it in the cracks. Right. And that's how you make someone love you. Yeah. Okay, I see how that could be a long-term plan. Listen, yeah. there's two ways to make people fall in love. One, they're both going to work, but one is going to be toxic and one is not going to be toxic. <laughs> yeah. So, and the toxic one could be fun. It depends. If you're just looking for an end result. Either uh, will do. Yeah. Right, right, right. And, you know, I've been, I've gotten into a relationship where I knew exactly how it was going to end. I know we don't ever know how, how but this it's one. Gonna be. Yeah, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. But I would say I don't know how our relationship's going to be, Stephen, because we haven't entered it yet. But I'm, uh, let me tell you something. When we do, uh, we're going to take that magical carpet ride to uh, somewhere toxic and it's going to be fun. So uh, call me. All our all our younger listeners are like, what the fuck is going Who on? Is third eye blind. What's the radio? Also, <laughs> they were on the radio. CDs. <laughs> I chill. Ew. Also, I just realized that if you ever want to sing anything, have me sing it because it will be so off key that it won't be a copyright issue when Chad hears it. Oh, right. So, right. like, did I just sing it? Well, I don't know. I we could get away Maybe with that was my own line. interpretation. <laughs> um, no one's going to be like, that was my song because like, it's not going to sound good. <laughs> like a song. It won't sound like a song. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I don't know where to go from here, but, uh, you know, we'll figure it out. Uh, look, uh, look at his tour calendar. Next time he's going to be in the oh, he's in doing a, a whole in the metro doing, area. You well, gotta hit him up. Whole, okay. <laughs> Quite literally, that's where you're going to go. Yeah. Well, they're they're touring. It's like, have I not done but this I, before but, but, with but Daniel Byrne? But <laughs> uh, I think you're talking to an expert. I actually almost yeah. texted Dan Byrne. <laughs> What? To ask him advice on Steven Jenkins <laughs> for you. That's wow. how deep I was going to get into this. Because I was like, Dan, like, what wow. speaks to you as a musician? <laughs> wow. What do you like girls on the internet to say to you? Yeah, it doesn't um, work as well for me. Well, I feel like he's, you know, Dua Dan. Is never getting back to me on <laughs> No, anything. Dan's married, so maybe now he'll he'll share, you know, his tricks from the road with me. Right. Now that it doesn't matter anymore. Right, you know? right, That's right. That's so sad. Now that he's married and now that nothing matters But anymore. here's the thing. <laughs> you know, life it's boring and you should just kill yourself now um you know that part Wait, of your life homedale new jersey that's oh. that's our guest oh we all got scared um, like Stephen um, jenkins was at the door we'll yeah right there, so, but here's the thing here's the thing i want i don't want to like i want to like go backstage you know what i mean like I'll, if i'm gonna go to the concert yeah, which no, i want to no, no, go no, like no, no, i want to no. be like treated special. i'm not saying look it up to buy tickets christina oh, okay. you're thinking you're you're i don't want to buy tickets you're not thinking big remember what the right the, the I, intuitive said to us today we got <laughs> Something that, big might happen to you. That's a whole nother episode, guys. We'll get to it soon. But that's a that's a whole nother thing. So yeah, no, I'm saying you merely look when he's gonna be in the tri-state area because yeah. that's when you hit him up again. The uh, thing with, with touring people and busy people, yeah. there's no point. Like if he's gonna be 
in Colorado, there's no use yeah. hitting him up because he's going to forget. There's going to be distance. Right. But right, when right. he's going to be in your vicinity, yeah, very go, close hey, to up? that date, what's you, up, Steven? You hit him up. And, and see, that's how and I, he knows you're in New York. Yeah. And so this is yeah, that's how does. you connect. Okay. They, okay. They, know, they know he knows he knows what you're doing. So right. now he can facilitate. Oh, but yeah. he's not so, going to like cold DM you like, hey, girl, I'm in town, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. Or maybe so, he is. And then that's a real red flag. Yeah, and then, then I would like, more yeah, but if, <laughs> if you reach out like that, I'm not going to like you. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, yeah, I, might, Steven, I might do it. Just do email it. on her do be it. like, you look like shit today. Do you want to <laughs> fuck? <laughs> How old are you? Ew. Can I come to your concert? Well, he's a Steven. I'll blow older. you in the bus. <laughs> He's older than I thought he was. He looks great. Yeah, he does look great. He looks fucking great. Yeah. Uh, you know who doesn't look great, though? As our, con- oh our side conversation. Johnny Resnick yes, from Google Dolls. Me and Corinne oh, ended up having bad. a whole side conversation Wait. about bands like Third Eye Blind. And we were talking about Matchbox 20 and the Goo Goo Dolls. Johnny Resnick. And Corinne and I both separately were like, man, John Resnick looks bad. <laughs> Holy shit, he looks. Oh, he I don't want to shame so him. He seems so nice, honestly. Well, Goo Goo Dolls is an amazing Baby's black, band. Baby's black, black, black balloon, balloon. Yeah. exploded on his face. <laughs> oh, I like Baby that. had to take down all the mirrors in the house because it was tricky. I like yeah. it. it. Honestly, when it, I feel like it, make, it makes me so sad because. I think when you wow. get that much plastic surgery as a as like a famous person, it's kind of just like it's you're like, no going back. I mean, it yeah. was also like just shows like that's oh, wow. how important your looks are. Yeah. He's younger than Steven. Yeah. Not only by like I hope that he got year, a, right? a nice settlement out of that malpractice suit <laughs> plastic surgeon. It's bad. <laughs> John Resnick next week on Bosch. <laughs> oh no. Oh that's poor me. Guys. Slide that's into <laughs> another's doctor's office to poor, poor rock star millionaire. That's what you did. <laughs> Someone someone left a one of my, my favorite um, Apple uh, reviews. reviews this week was that um, our podcast brings negative energy and we're just so mean and we always talk about oh, how really? we hate people and I go <laughs> thank you someone yeah. understands my <laughs> you get it girl you get it girl and she's like I just can't stop listening anymore I can't, I just can't um, listen anymore and I was like well number one like you, you had were a, listening you had to, to listen to get the negative energy and yeah. then number two so I like that, that she rectified that by leaving a negative comment she's right. like you know how I'm gonna get this negative energy? You know, yeah, I'm gonna be Just negative on the feed. It made me laugh so fucking. Hard. I'm gonna put negativity into the world. Oh it's my hot god! Hot potato. It's a game of hot potato, guys. It made me laugh. It made All me right. laugh. So thank you. Um. Okay. Yeah. This so, week's guest. This week's guest. This week's guest. Oh Wait, where are god. they? Okay. Oh, she. This was what a lovely conversation. Yes. Many years in the making. She is a stand-up comedian. She's a writer and she's a podcast host. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show Bridget Fantasy.
are here with Bridget Fetisy. We're so excited to have you on the podcast. Um, we were there's I'm just we're just going to jump right into it if you're cool. Uh, you I'm were cool. saying that you didn't make eye, when you met your husband for the first time. You it took you a while <laughs> to make eye contact with him. <laughs> we I just couldn't hold it. He would be like, <laughs> look me in the eye, and I would be I could not do it for more than maybe a couple seconds, maybe ten seconds. But that was a long time. That yeah. is a long and time. It's uncomfortable. Intimacy. I always used to say intimacy is creepy. It just would creep <laughs> me out, and I and I really have come a long way in that department from many years of really only being able to handle like doggy because it required no <laughs> that's so no funny. intimacy at all that's so <laughs> funny it's so yeah like, it's always so interesting how uh sex is the most physically intimate you will ever get with another human being and yet it's where we clam up the most like we're just like don't if, if you do have intimacy issues uh totally they tend to surface. what's your favorite position the one where i don't have to make eye contact <laughs> that's so funny because i'm like i'm actually f- totally fine during sex that's the only time when i'm comfortable being like vulnerable is during sex wow. and so that's why I, I feel like I oh I had to have a lot of it because that's the only place I was getting like my intimacy fill and I felt it comfortably and like on by my own standards and on, on my own rules was then yeah I had so I came into I had so I mean man untangling have this is the probably first truly healthy sexual and intimate relationship I've ever had in my life just like in a really holistic well-rounded way and I think untangling some of the stuff that got squirted into my brain which sounds grosser than it is no I know exactly what you mean by Catholicism what's okay I was gonna say what did you have to untangle how did your Catholicism build walls around you I, I mean I feel like I, have I just idea. have I mean I had so much guilt around sex really? so much yeah. guilt I thought I was gonna get AIDS it's I just hard to shake like, I'm gonna have sex Christ. and I'm gonna get AIDS as were you, like what punishment. were you told um well basically that you shouldn't have sex before you get married and that you shouldn't have sex um that you know if you have sex you are I mean, not saying that you're a slut when you're that little, but it's like that's the implication. Right. Is that you don't want to be a girl that's easy. Or worn Mm. out or. Yeah. 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 And there was a lot of weird stuff around nudity. (laughs) Um, What about nudity? What about it? Just like the, you know, you can't like be a proper lady and don't don't like show your too much of your boobs and don't. I mean, I, I raged against so much of this stuff um, through most of my life in my in my 20s. Particularly. So when it was when it was fed to you, did you know it was wrong? No, I mean, I was so little. Yeah. I was in like private Catholic all girls school oh, okay. until second grade okay. with nuns. And how were the nuns? Then I there were nuns, yeah. you know, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> nuns are representative of like that chast, n- untouchable. Yeah. And they're pure. always cranky. And I'm like, yeah, it's because they haven't gotten any dick or pussy or whatever they whatever mm-hmm. they like. I'm like, sex is a physiological need for a reason. Like, well, it's what? A, yeah. yeah, it's a life of going without. Like, that's kind of what it is. Like, you're going without in honor and service of God. But could at that my, my mom, God wants me to fuck. So. <laughs> my mom also went to Catholic school. Were they still allowed to hit? you with rulers when you went or no not really they did try and like convince me not to be left-handed for a minute and my parents were like no that's like that's not a thing anymore (laughs) oh my god um so they're just criticizing you 
Yeah, and I was, I think that that was the first stuff that really I look at that's in so deep. It's like the, a factory setting almost. Right. Um, and then there was just a lot of the messaging that I think I grew up with from my mom about like, you don't want to be easy. A guy won't respect you. You won't, you don't want to be like, you want to save yourself so that you can give your flower to a man who deserves it. And, um, as much as I understand that perspective it's it's like we were talking briefly about on our our last podcast I think that there's like a transactional nature of that that I've that is again a little bit insidious and somewhat it's like reading between the lines that's what the message is (laughs) yeah and I got fucked up when I found out Santa wasn't real and but then you think about a child learning from her mother that her virginity is what is 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 valuable uh, a, makes a stronger impression than her character and who she is. That is something that's years of un- unraveling, like you said. That's a yeah. lot of undoing. And I think like my my mom would come into my room and be like at like three in the morning and ask me if I had had like sex yet when I was a young teen. What? That's disgusting. And try and what? That's so violent. <laughs> yeah, it was not normal. Why was it at three in the morning? Was she like trying to catch you when you were because, tired? Yeah, exactly. Like <laughs> mm. that's so. That's gross. like an interrogation tactic. Well, my mom yeah, asked no, me. Truly. My mom asked me if I was still a virgin at a restaurant when I could like couldn't leave anywhere, and then I told her I have had sex, and she like got up and left. Wow. And I was like, damn. Uh, and we weren't religious at all. So it's like, it's, but it's fucked. Like the messages that you are told, whether it's directly or, you know, through your mom's actions or through your parents' or church's actions, they're, they're really strong. Yeah. And then right after I got, dr- I was date raped. That's what happened. And we were in the car and this was at the like, I'm such a just like after school special basic bitch. But it was right at the height of this kind of coming up. In the mainstream, because Oprah started talking about it, right? About, like the, the date rate drug and getting yeah. roofied, and there was something on the radio. And my sister, my little sister, knew something was wrong. She's not that much younger than me, but old enough to kind of be aware. And um, they they were talking about the date rape drug. And my mom, just as an aside, was like, if any of my daughters got raped while they were drinking, I would say they deserved it. Because <gasps> she was really, she she was really against, like, us drinking, too. And Holy we, shit. Jesus my father has a very, like, alcoholic, kind of drunken, big Irish family. They were divorced. There was a lot of resentment there. So I think it might have just been, like, a statement more on drinking. I mean, either way, but it was literally like the day or two after it happened and that I just like shut down. Would you? So I never said anything. So was this when was this the first experience? I don't want to call it a sexual experience rape, but like it was this the first time that you that you that another person was sexual with you? No, I lost my virginity to my freaking 30 year old manager at a restaurant (laughs) when I was like 16 or 17. (laughs) Wait, and what? Wait, wait. Can we can we visit that? We need quick? to go back to that. That hebophile? Uh okay. Uh where were you working? It was a restaurant in Minnesota. Okay. So it was like your first job? I was a busser. Nice. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And did you Super. like how did the relationship evolve between you and your boss? I mean, I was the one who was definitely pursuing him. So I don't okay. want to say that he was like the predator in this because right. I was definitely I would flirt with them and I would um, I was like 16. That's why I like the me too stuff always kind of messed me up because 
I I obviously had like daddy issues. I had a very insane. St- I have a very insane had whatever insane stepfather, and my dad was kind of out of the picture. So I was like the again be like basic bitch daddy issues. <laughs> well, they you were looking they for were love and comfort sure. somewhere. Yeah, and and I also was really. Uh, one of the things that I did learn once I started becoming sexual in nature um, and I didn't ha- lose my, vir- okay, so I was 17. I didn't lose my virginity till I was 17, but I was that Catholic like schoolgirl who I think gave my first blowjob when I was like 14. Mm-hmm. Wow. Because yeah, yeah. that was my way of like rebelling, <laughs> avoiding so sex repressed. and rebelling. Yeah. 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 It's possible to have a dick in your mouth, whether you realize it because you're so young or not. Like <laughs> totally. And I, I also, I, it's so funny. I like very rarely op- or openly talk about this stuff anymore, which is weird um, because it was like all I loved talking about forever. And um, I think what I realized too was then how you could like weaponize sexuality. Yeah. And once I took that it's message power. of like your sex is valuable mm-hmm. as like your sex is powerful and and a lot I of young became women. really addicted to like seducing men. Yeah, I and, yeah, cuz if you felt powerless growing up through all of these oppressive ways that you were raised and then you realize, "Oh, I got something somebody wants." okay let's dance in this let's bask in this and then no one's around to go this is how you manage power life is all about managing power at various stages with everybody whether it's sexual family or or not uh and so it is intoxicating when you go yeah i got something someone wants and then the sneakiness and feeling like i never really felt like i belonged in high school i always felt awkward Mm -hmm. i didn't like all my girlfriends had like their high school boyfriends i moved a lot and I dated older guys and then this this one in particular. Um, so there was that that aspect of just like being sneaky that came along with it that was intoxicating to me at that age. Did you seduce and, him like or try to seduce him that this, this older boss? Yeah, I did. And then eventually he caved like when I was How? 17, we ended up I lost my virginity to him and. Then we had like a secret relationship for a while. Really? Okay. How, how, (laughs) what tactics did you, did young you use? Um, I think I just wore, well, because then I started hostessing. So I got to wear cute clothes. And so (laughs) I started not looking so much like a busser. Um, (laughs) And this was a huge restaurant. I had to like empty every garbage in this restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. (laughs) But now you're doing a cute I was like, was I living in Minnesota before? Like, why was I doing this job? (laughs) It was was just so strange, like a 15 year old girl. And I had to empty all the all the like recycling. I got glass in my eye once because I was so tiny. What? And it was like a big, oh my a God. big restaurant. And he was like a manager and a waiter. And he was and I would just I don't know. It just was he married I, or in a relationship? No, or no. no okay, he so, had a kid from another relationship. OK. And so the hiding I was around like, the age and the the hierarchy of the restaurant. Even in Minnesota, they were like, "Nah, this isn't great." <laughs> <laughs> I ended up like moving. I I just got so afraid uh, I would get him in trouble because I was like, if my parents find out, this guy's a dead man. So, yeah, were you conflating uh, power with horniness? I mean, I didn't. I think and. It's so funny, like looking back at it. I remember 
I remember looking at all the waiters and waitresses when they'd get done with their shift and they'd be sitting at the bar and smoking because you could still smoke in bars back then. And they'd be drinking and I would go home and be like, I can't wait until I'm old enough to do that. My mom would be like, do not glamorize that. These are like (laughs) loser townies. She was right with that part. Yeah. <laughs> no, she totally was. I was it's like, confusing <laughs> when your mom has such archaic views, but also like pretty good points. Your mom had a point there. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Um, and they were they were all alcoholics. Right. Like, they were all alcoholics. But I was already an alcoholic and in my teenage years. So I was partying and having fun, but I didn't really feel like I had the ability to relate to people my own age. And I had a hard time just with the women or girls at that time, I guess. And, and the men, um, yeah, I, I don't think that I was, I wasn't like I was unpopular. I was just a chameleon. So I just moved kind of from group to group, but I never really felt okay in my skin. And for some reason at that restaurant, I like felt like I belonged. I was, I felt like those were my people and I just wanted to be, old enough to hang out with them so badly because I did glamorize what they were doing and being in my 20s and being a a townie alcoholic (laughs) professional waitress I was like oh my god these were I am I have lived up to my dreams yes girl (laughs) incredible I made it (laughs) what was the disconnect you felt with this is an inspiring story I like it I love it I love a townie story what was the disconnect you felt with women your own age um I think there were a couple that I had really that I was really close friends with and they're still my friends to these days oh, great. to this day. But I don't know. They, it was a small town at, in this high school. They had all been together since like kindergarten. I yeah. came in my sophomore year. Okay. I just was it's it was like I was an outsider. I okay. was always I was always an outside girl looking in and girls at that age are not nice to new girls. Mm-hmm. They're just not. Yeah, everybody's looking to feel powerful for one way, one reason or the other. Yeah, and and you know that's just the way it rolls in those pecking orders. And uh, I'm an I'm an easy. I gave up a lot of uh, like myself and who I was to become party girl and kind of fit in, and it was just easier for me. So I just let left any of the straight A type A personality that I was behind and invested all of that energy and and intelligence into being like learning how to do a keg stand and learning how to be a stoner yeah yeah (laughs) how how did the relationship with that boss pan out like what was I ended up moving with my dad for my senior year um for many 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 different reasons and so then it just ended like it just kind of naturally I, I basically I pulled a, a geographic, but ah, I okay. there were a lot of other things going on in in that household um, in my household and I didn't want to be there anymore. And so I lived with my dad and then I ended up going back to finish my senior year um, for a lot of different like it was just it was just it was a shit show you it seems like you but you were you were grasping at straws in your own way to find a place where you felt good being in your own skin yeah I didn't feel good in my own skin and I didn't feel good in my environment either so the environment itself was was as toxic as however I was feeling in my own skin 
And I think I just escaped. Like I looked for any way to escape that I possibly could, whether that was drug. And my first three loves were weed, alcohol, and men. And that was like, I, I got stuck in that cycle for decades. Yeah. Decades yeah. and decades and decades. And I look at things that I, I have like lists from in my 20s of like things I need to quit. And it's always like alcohol, weed, men, <laughs> alcohol, weed, men. The, the lovely trifecta. <laughs> I mean, it really was my new holy trinity. <laughs> <laughs> was there anything positive that you got from the relationship with the older manager? Because I feel like, you know, obviously, like it's not great on paper, but and my, my learned stuff, my first boyfriend um, was like significant older than me not um not like illegal but i i, I he was he was a good mine was older mine than was me illegal. uh and i feel like i learned a lot of actually positive things from him so did you have positive takeaways from that relationship um i don't know at this point i can't it's hard for me to even yeah remember things got so crazy after that like my i was in rehab two years later okay so things got i things got Things just that was the beginning of I would say it wasn't because of anything bad that happened. But I think I was so lost mm -hmm. and I was leading a double life. Mm -hmm. So that primed me to be leading a double life when I started doing hard drugs. Oh, and OK. So the life of a non-drug user and the life of a drug user is the double well, Part. I was leading a double life in that I had this relationship with this man oh, right, who was right. much older than me you and I was lying anything. about it constantly. And then I think it segued. I was pretty openly partying. My parents knew that was happening. I would like throw keggers in my basement. And so um, that wasn't so much of a double life, but I barely made it out of high school, even though I was like supposed to graduate early. And yeah, it was it was just uh, things escalated. It's like that. Well, that escalated quickly. Right. Yeah, it's is, like putting that's fire. Like the perfect light. meme for my. It's like you threw gasoline on years. it and lit a match. Yeah. Yeah, and then I I got a job at another restaurant, and then <laughs> that's where uh, the I came in contact with the acquaintance who date raped me. And when we were out drinking because I had a fake ID and I was like 18 or 19, it was just like such a... Could you just... That, wait, did you say twins who date right? What did you say? No, no. Oh, it was an acquaintance. acquaintance. Oh, an acquaintance. I was like, what? Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, did you... Could you... Could you, um, if you feel comfortable with it, go over like what, like what happened? Like, were you at a bar? Did you feel something? Like, did you just wake up to him? Like what? Yeah, we were at a bar. Um, I was with two waitresses I worked with much older than me. I mean, they were they were legally able to drink and I still wasn't, but I had a fake ID and we were downtown Minneapolis and my friend and I both have the last memory, like the same exact mm. last memory. Oh, which was? We were standing on a corner and I was looking at my pager to give you an <laughs> oh, example pagers, yeah. of how freaking dated I am. Yeah. Um, and I was looking at my pager and that was like the last thing I remember. But then I came to and he was on top of me and I was asking him to stop and then blacked out again. Oh, fuck. Came to again, was crawling around on the floor trying to call the man, the guy, the like guy I lost my virginity to. Even though we hadn't even been talking, he was like the person I wanted to reach out to. Couldn't mm -hmm. find a phone. Were you at blacked his house? Blacked out again. 
I guess I was puking. Don't remember any of that. Um, were you at his this guy who date raped you were they at, you took at his us place? to a condo downtown that some it was somebody's condo okay no so it happened who. to both and, of you at the same time and yeah something happened to my friend too and then there was a third girl but she his buddy took her to go get like your like your what are they called how do you say say oh them? euros like, euros thank okay. you um she so he took her and she didn't do she the drunk? shots that we did oh so, so he was like i guess she, i'll he take was like, her let's for go a get euros and then so we were like what and i woke up very fuzzy and the thing that sucks about date rape and why i understand women who just shut down don't talk about it all of the all of the things that they go through is that I remember leaving and being like, thanks for having us. Mm -hmm. Like so yep. gracious because I didn't rem really remember. And then as we were walking out to the um, car, wherever our car was parked in this parking lot, my friend who had a boyfriend had like this massive hickey on her neck. And I was like, what? I was walking behind her. I was like, what is that? And she had woken up naked and like was very fuzzy. And I remember like driving down that windy um parking lot it, it's like i still remember like i was yesterday sitting in the back like the the blackouts and brown like the things mm -hmm. coming into focus sure. like that one of those kaleidoscopes kind of all of a sudden coming into focus and um my friend was kind of putting it together too and then he had the balls to like come into where we were working a couple Jeez. of days later or a week later and my friend, God bless her, with like fucking balls of steel. Even then, she wrote, "If you come on a note, wrote into you come. If you come into this restaurant again, I'll cut your fucking dick off." Yes, girl. And <laughs> put it on his on his table. And he went to our manager and reported us. And I we raped were both her, like, and she's mean to me now. We both were like shaking, and because this was kind of like the spot to be. And we were both in in this in Minnesota and we were both like shaking in the service station. And I remember I still remember his name that this manager, he was fucking amazing. He was like one of the best general managers I've ever had in my life anywhere. And Teresa kind of he took one look at us and Teresa kind of told him what happened. And he was like, you're not welcome here. He basically told him like same thing. You're banned from here. And then um we went to like the Apple River and we're partying and the way I coped with it was just getting blackout drunk and hyper promiscuity. Was yeah, really of course, that's I... very common. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because you're Basic taking control bitch. back. Uh, yeah. You, did you, do you describe it as date rape? Like, are you guys seem like you were hanging out, but like, were you actually on dates or you were just like hanging out with people you no, kind of knew? They we went downtown and these people who are regulars at our restaurant happened to be at this bar downtown and ran into us. And okay. they were like, let's do shots. So it was kind of yeah. just like this, like the vague familiarity is, is why. Yeah, it's like, yeah. you know, when you're waiting tables and there's regulars sure. and you mm -hmm. see them all the time and you wait on them and they're like, so they were just out and saw us down there and yeah then where did you ever um was there ever uh a desire to speak to them or, or like like when you woke up in their apartment 
you didn't no. you didn't put you hadn't put the pieces together so you you never really had words with them after other than that interaction when no not God bless after the interaction at the restaurant yeah no and then i just did my best to and then that thing that with my mom kind of happened around that time oh mm-hmm. fuck and um i just i didn't talk about it ever again until i was in rehab a year later like mm. it didn't even come up until yeah. i was i think I think I maybe told my mom and my like blackout. I don't know. This is another like weird thing where she's like, you don't even know the things you told me when you were detoxing. And and I was like in the emergency room and and I'm like, that's fucked up. <laughs> like, why won't you tell me? Yeah. What why you? won't she tell me about you my her. own life? Like, right. I also, still have is no she idea. for you or against <laughs> you? My God. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I know one of those of- things I think was the fact that I had been drugged and raped. And um, does she hold yeah, that against it- you? Like that was your fault? Uh, not really. She, I just, had, I mean, at that point she was so mad at me for being a heroin addict that it kind of superseded all the oh other God. things. You yeah. stole your own spotlight. Yeah. yeah wow. <laughs> so she, um, yeah, that was that, that year was, I just wanted to escape. I had a serious boyfriend when I went to college. I broke up with him to be with another guy who I got really much more into hard drugs with. Things escalated very quickly. I was not long for hard drugs like heroin. It was a very fast um, journey to rock bottom. Right. (laughs) Yeah. As it often can be. It Um, can be. Sometimes you can drag it out. Not me. Mine was a quick A to B. Um, it really was. Like, I lost everything so quickly. I lost college. I lost my apartment. I lost my first job I ever got fired from. Wow. I lost um, I lost a grandparent in there and was, like, on my probably biggest source of shame was being on heroin at her funeral. Mm-hmm. Like, they're just, they're, it was just, I remember being in an airport and trying to go to my grandmother's funeral and puking and every, you know how they have the, like, um, garbage cans that yep. are just spaced out and I would just like throw up in every single garbage mm-hmm. can as I walked by it was just it's pre 9-11 guys yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot more. <laughs> well um <laughs> there's this amazing author uh and psychologist I believe Gabor Matei um who talks about addiction in a way I've never heard anybody talk about it uh he said no one ever asks the drug user what does this drug give you that you don't have otherwise and it seems like hearing your story, uh, something like heroin, I've, I've heard people describe how amazing it feels. And it seems like, yeah, you you didn't get the love you needed. Of And yeah. if a substance makes you feel warm and makes you feel loved, why, of course, a person is going to get addicted to that. And, and it fucking pisses, and I think maybe I'm projecting here, or uh, but when a parent raises you in it, with so, these emotionally volatile views that damage a child's psyche and then they fucking go and go why are you a fucking drug addict like you happened in a void yeah I, and uh. I, I hate when parents fuck you up and then blame you for it that i really have a fucking problem with that and i'm not guys i'm somebody who's not currently speaking to either of my parents um because i'm yeah i went through that yeah um um yeah, I think more than even love, heroin gave me oblivion. Like it, mm. it just, it, it was like that. My brain was always kind of redlining, mm-hmm. and I think that it gave me the relief, and it gave me that escape that I was looking for all those years of like, get me out of this body, 
get me out of this brain. Yeah. Get me out of this environment. Get yep. me, just get me out. I wasn't trying to drink to, even though I drank because it was easier just to like socially blend in. It wasn't like I was drinking to like try and be cool. I was drinking because I wanted to get out of my own brain. Yeah. And get, I mean, of course there's some aspect. I think with weed, I really did want to be like a cool stoner. Um, but I, I was always kind of seeking oblivion and with heroin, the first time I smoked it, it was, which was really, it's funny. I, I have such indoctrinated, this is something I've been looking at lately. I have so deeply internalized junkie pride that because I didn't <laughs> shoot it, oh. I'm still like, I wasn't really a heroin addict and I was watching dope sick and like people are dying from just doing pills, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, getting yeah. Super. I'm like, why don't I think I was a fucking, I weighed 89 pounds. I couldn't breathe. Oh my gosh. I had like bad bronchitis that it, that I had to be put on a ventilator or, or like on a breathing machine because mm -hmm. I had such bad lungs when I went in. I They were like, you were going to die. And I still am like, but I wasn't really a junkie. Well, I, I watched this documentary <laughs> called Dosed and this woman was a functioning heroin addict and I'd never heard of that. And then she went on to say that most heroin addicts are in fact functioning. And I'm Ooh. like, oh, really? Aspirational. I, I, I think of it in like, uh, I've been through like- <laughs> Squad goals. Skid, skid row, for lack of a better word, in Philadelphia. It looks like you're on a, a set, the set of The Walking Dead. Like it is- insane how bad it is uh so that's I would what say i that was true until fentanyl came on the scene and that is not true anymore fentanyl mm. you fentanyl will kill you in like yep, two years yep 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 mm. so i think yeah you i mean i knew plenty of junkies who had been around the block for like decades and you're like how the fuck have you been a junkie for like 40 years yeah <laughs> Yeah, and no, my ex-boyfriend's like that. He did it for quite some time. And he also gave me explicit uh, instructions to never interrupt anyone that I see on the streets, like obviously like tipped over from heroin because he's like, they're having like the time of their lives and like you're let gonna, them have that. They already he, did it. Yeah, he was like, you're going to waste their money and piss them off. And I was, uh, it actually made me feel better about it. Well, yeah, and I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God, it's such a bad, op opioid and heroin is such a big prevalent problem. And uh, that fucking documentary talked about this aboga tree that's uh to um from Central Africa and the root is a very high-end psychedelic and this woman uh you have to take it with like a shaman it's very ritualized um and she was able to cure her heroin addiction with two weeks with this shaman with the aboga root uh with taking the tea or I, it goes through everything that she went through uh with no withdrawals methadone wow. is is handed out to heroin addicts like candy and it's like but that's also so hard to get over the withdrawal symptoms from methadone are mm -hmm. so terrorizing that people are like i guess i'm just gonna be on methadone forever but it's like it doesn't have to fucking be this way yeah we were talking about in the last podcast that we did losing gray matter being pregnant and I didn't want to do methadone because I just I had been in a week long rehab and seen everybody doing the methadone. And I was like, this doesn't seem like a great seems and like I put myself words. in rehab. To be fair, I was the one that I was like, I'm going to die. I had that kind of moment of awakening. Probably why you were able to recover. Because you yeah, were probably the somewhat I would say somewhat I used I would I went back and started doing drugs and alcohol and and like as long as I didn't do heroin, I was like, I'm good. Okay, so it right. was a lie that I kind of hung on to for way yeah. too long. Yeah. But I 
I went, I mean, I remember too, I've been like, I can't believe I journaled. I mean, talk about like being a writer. I was like journaling while I was kicking heroin. And it was that I I really felt like my brain cells dying when I, that's why you're wow. not supposed to withdraw like that. It's so bad for you. Oh, it's oh. like dangerous. Okay. Yeah, because so you're sweating your time, body. So manage it with yeah. drugs because it's bad for your brain and dangerous to withdraw just cold turkey like that. How did you come across this information that you lose gray matter when you're pregnant? Because I, I haven't, I didn't hear, hear that before, and I'm like kind of obsessed with pregnancy and more like how it hinders women, <laughs> yeah, which is fucked because it's not. Get, well, they get say it's not about. a bad thing actually. Oh, it's so not. I make it sound like it's a bad thing, but it's more just me doing a bit. But I think it's <laughs> they, they you they found it's in they did a couple studies I think back in like 2016. Uh, there I can send you links if you Google like gray matter and right. pregnant women because of course. Of course, he didn't fucking study any of the female brains until like the 2010s yeah. of what was going on yeah. during pregnancy. They studied the fetal brain, but they have no idea what's going on with the woman. Right. And it looks like what happens is it's it just becomes more efficient. So you stop being able to kind of read social cues. It's somewhat counterintuitive because you would think that this would be bad for attaching to a baby but it's actually so you can focus all of your attachment on the baby oh okay. or more so you're less you're less scattered giving a fuck about people around like to me it read like Ooh, that's oh nice. so you're pregnant just giving a zero fucks yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah there are there's a confidence <laughs> that pregnant women have um, mixed with I'm just so I'm just so impressed when a woman gets when I see a pregnant woman I'm like you're a goddess like that you're making a person I just think it's the coolest thing in the world well Garfunkel and Oates yeah I was just gonna say Go Garfunkel and Oates have that like one of their f most famous comedy songs is pregnant women are smug and I think <laughs> I think that's what they're reading they're reading this like loss of a gray ma gray matter and then yeah. the zero fucks given like you said I never really yeah. kind of uh, thought of it in that way yeah so that was interesting and I think you become um more or less in some ways you become more heightened of like that mama bear instinct so you're more aware of danger and perhaps more anxious but you're also more fearless in a lot of different ways nice. and it's been such a like it's it's weird to go from like it's this is such an interesting conversation to have with you guys because to go back to these early days and then I mean, my 20s were, I got married to a Belarusian. I was out drinking. Wait, a what? Alcoholically Belarusian. He's, it's Bel he's like from Belarus. Oh, okay. Um, I see. Um, and we were both just in full on just fight or flight mode. It was like a rut. <laughs> we were just townie, townies in a, in a resort town drinking and doing lots of blow. And Wow. You have um, really you your life has had many chapters like oh many God. intense chapters. That was the, I call those the dark years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, but like I love I love that you've had all of these experiences and now what, what you were saying at the top about your partner now the the person you're having a baby with is he so, so can you describe him what what in your relationship? Well, we met in recovery, which is like oh. another thing that I never would have thought when I first got sober, sober in 2013. And by sober, sober, I mean, I quit alcohol, weed, everything I gave up. I put myself on like male restriction. 
um, which they did to me in my first rehab as well. Wait, um, male? What's <laughs> male as in guys? Or I couldn't like even talk to men other than my brother or my dad. I <laughs> nice. was like not in, in my first rehab. That sounds like a vacation and, to me. I'm sorry, and, Mike. Don't fool me with a good time. <laughs> um, I got caught lying, going to my other my boyfriend's rehab and sleeping with him. So they put me on male restriction, and they were <laughs> they so were romantic. right to do that. Yeah, <laughs> they, they were right. <laughs> Um. So yeah, then it's a I huge don't thing know, to have in common tr- with somebody. I just told myself that I was going to be single forever. You know, I really, and then I started pursuing a creative path, whatever the fuck that looked like. Mm-hmm, <laughs> when mm-hmm. I was like nineteen, I got out of rehab. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um. There's a really fucked up story that I never tell publicly, but let's just say something else fucked up happened on the heels of rehab. And it sent me down um, another kind of dark to another dark place. Jeez. And um, yeah, it's so wow, fucked that's up. A lot of like ways. sometimes I feel like sometimes I feel like such a fraud because people will be like, "Wow, you share so much," and I'm like, the thing that fucked me up the most, I don't share you don't because have it to would share. drag so many other people it's just like not fair oh, to, like other people are involved and then it's like, yeah, it yeah. Would, it wouldn't be yeah. good for just yeah there's like but it, it uh, would it, i think i i think before i think i've become more aware of like that uh how what i share affects other people in my life publicly i hear you i've also had to go through a transition phase of like oh okay you know there needs to be tact with what you talk about you can't just like blurt everything out uh but also too like sometimes keeping something to yourself not not only you're the only human being that knows about it no, but like no. keeping it out of a public a podcasting space is a totally. very wise decision i mean yeah, I mean, I spend decades on this with with my therapist and whatnot, but it led me on this path of kind of um, becoming a creative, and I w- realized I wanted to become a writer and a performer, moved to L.A. right out of rehab, and then I was kind of all over the place, moved back east. I was back east, and those were the dark years. Got really lost, gave up on myself again. I mean, the number of rock... That's the the kind of memoirs that or not memoirs, but essays I'm writing is there is no bottom because I kept just I would hit a bottom and think that that was like the bottom. And, and then you would find a new I'd bottom. find a whole new like, bottom. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> and it was many years of that. And I somehow managed to get through my 20s alive, which is shocking. And well into my 30s, I was still I traveled around the world for two years. I moved back to L.A. when I was like 27 after being back east. And um, I ended up finally getting like I came back from traveling around the world and I finally ended up really hitting an emotional rock bottom and being like, I've got to quit drinking, smoking. I just know I know I have to. Uh, I'm lucky to be alive and I'm I should just knock this stuff off not intending to quit it forever. Mm-hmm. I just was like, I just need to clear clear out or whatever. Sure. And then I went to actual 12 step, which I had sworn off of when I was in rehab at like 19, 20 years old. But I went back and something st- stuck. And I'd done this experimental year of sobriety when I was 30 before I traveled. And then I, something in there got in my brain that worked and when I came back, I was like, I felt pretty good in that year that I was sober. So maybe I'll just go back and hear some like 
inspirational speakers at the big meeting in Brentwood or whatever. (laughs) (laughs) And I went and I just kept going. And then the years started adding up and my relationships got better. And I started getting paid to write for the first time and Mm -hmm. all of these things. I mean, it was like there was so much tangible evidence that this stuff was getting in my way. It was so... It was impossible for me not to look at what was happening in my life and be like, okay. And I was so curious about what my life would look like without that stuff because I had started drinking and using when I was like 12. So I had, wow. no, I, was, I couldn't just base my life on not doing something. I needed something more aspirational to hang on to. And for me, it was just a curiosity of like, what is 10 year what is five years sure what does that look like for for me i couldn't conceive of like anything beyond a year Mm -hmm. yeah and so now that that was in 2013 and i met my husband jaron in 20 like the end of 2017 beginning of 2018 is when we started dating it was valentine's day actually of 2018 we went on our first date and um he was pretty new he was like 90 days sober which is big no-no yeah i was gonna say i was like this is always what they warn you against wait what's a no-no you can't date you're not supposed addict? to date it's, when you're in early sobriety it's like 13th oh. st- well particularly i had four years because it's something else to get a date to do. Of- oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's called 13 stepping oh so it's like i i would be the predator in this instance <laughs> because i have more time and he's a newcomer quote unquote yep. and so it generally is the reverse where like men prey on new women who come into that's why it's really frowned upon and it's bad. But I, I could never get good with the fact that he was new. I felt like I was taking time away from him. I felt like he was going to make me his, you know, higher power, which is something that's very common in those when you're a lot of times two newcomers will get together and they'll their relationship will become like the new drug. And so we ended up breaking up after like five months and he put himself into a montage sequence, um, like in the movies, I guess. And I broke his heart badly. I I still don't, don't realize, like, I still feel bad about how badly I hurt him, even though he's like, you, you needed you did the right thing yeah i i would cry i cried every week and i'm like i can't get good with this i just can't be okay with it and i'm always going to wonder if i did him a disservice by taking this time i had that year to be like go within be sober be crazy be uncomfortable be alone and alone with all my shit and he ended up we saw each other like 15 months later in uh, September of 2019 and he was like a different person. He was so not different. He was still the loving, vulnerable person that I fell in love with the first time around, but he was much more confident. He was much more um much less like clingy. He was mm. much more grounded in He was himself. his own person. Yeah, he he's like I needed that time. Wow. He got he went back to school. And got his um, LMFT, and he grew a beard. He looked fucking hot. He was yeah. working out. This is such a beautiful story, though, because I we all we say on the podcast, and I like Corinne just said it when we were recording uh, an intro for next week. Is uh, if it's meant to be, it will happen, mm-hmm. and that's exactly the case with you guys. And I told him this thinking I was just being full of shit, <laughs> like. 
I, you weren't. It was try. I mean, kind of, because he was like, "No, this is meant to be." And I'd been in enough really dysfunctional, lusty relationships where you're like, "This is the one," and it was just crazy and toxic, and it was not. And then I started associating that kind of instantaneous love with insanity because I was like, all of the men who fall in love with me immediately are mentally ill <laughs> and I should be wary of this. And it's never really like I even and it, I put myself in an impossible position because I wanted that instant love because I uh, the dating thing for me it's I have so many trusts I'm like how do people do this how do they navigate this like awkward passage I wanted that like I love you but it, I put myself in a position where it was like oh but this means we're both mentally ill or it's toxic so he and I definitely um had that immediately and then when and I was also at a different place in my career than I was 15 months later. I was really starting to get more traction as a writer, started the podcast, like things were moving. And I had really told myself for many years while I was just out I dating, um, like with my weaponized sexuality and dating really unavailable men for reasons that were all across the board, like the reasons you date unavailable men, low self-esteem, but also just I it's like my therapist said, she's like, uh, you were the one who was unavailable because I was such I became just such a workaholic. And I told myself that I couldn't have a career and a loving relationship. I was like, I'm just going to it was a lie. I told myself like many lies I've told myself over the years and he kind of would be like, I don't really necessarily buy that. But in the first time we dated and then when we got back together, I was in a different place. Things were a lot more settled. And now you have a good I foundation. Felt, yeah, I felt confident like I could I could be at a relationship to whatever else was going on. And I didn't necessarily feel that way. It, at that moment, I needed to give it my all. And we ended up... Um, we were going to go to it's it's funny I'm talking to two comedians. We were going to go to Yuckaholics, which is like a sober um sober comedians do comedy for alcohol like people in recovery and oh, it's a wow. big I never it's heard a of big that. show. Yeah, wow. they have it out here. And it's awesome and we were going to go to Yuckaholics. And then I was like I don't want to go watch a bunch of fucking comedians and <laughs> <laughs> like I don't I would rather be up there than watching them and it sounds fun and it was just his way of being like hey let's go do something after we got coffee after that 15 months and then we went for a drive and went up to Malibu and got dinner and never were apart again oh just yeah and do you guys, so it's like a soul that feels like a very soulmatey story because oh, not everybody so I was gonna say soulmate. I gave him this coin <laughs> he's like you gave me this coin and then you broke up with me <laughs> I mean, my husband is a wizard. I'm not kidding. <laughs> this man is like a fucking. It's, I think it's from playing Dungeons and Dragons. He's like a really powerful manifester. But I was like, oh my god, I was on your vision board. Like this is messed up. You are <laughs> because I gave him this coin and said, "True love waits." Mm -hmm. And oh. I think I did believe it at the time, but I was also like, oh, goodbye. Who knows? Fingers um, crossed. Yeah. That's really funny. <laughs> and. He kept it and we got, he was just like, I don't understand. We talked about building a life together. We talked, I'm going to get emotional. He's like, cause I'm like pregnant now, which is crazy. 
And you it's did like though. You bananas. did bananas. Yeah. yeah. That it's shit wild. worked the fuck out. Because I thought I was just full of shit. Like this is what's so hard about being full of shit for my whole life <laughs> and not knowing myself and being mm. lost is that I never knew what was like true or false. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I think and, saying I'm full of shit is a is a is the wall. That's part of the wall. Is just but part of it that. was like I was full of shit all the time. <laughs> you know, I was just like an <laughs> addict. You just say whatever the fuck to like yeah, yeah. get by or get what I want. And you I You were divorced I from ended, yourself. Yeah. And I ended up um he we would like go on walks and and the, like the magnolia trees were always blooming. When we got back together, I'm like, he had like a tattoo of like two magnolias and a little like magnolia bud. And he's like, I just had to like let you go. And this is my way of being like, this was something that I like I learned from and that I took from because he really had to let me go. But he used to have, um, he would, he was like really into meditation. He got into his way of kind of he's very disciplined like mm -hmm. self-disciplined in mm -hmm. ways that i am not and he was meditating every morning and he would have these visions like he couldn't get rid of it it was a visualization and it wasn't like he was conjuring it it, it was, was just, coming he to was him. walking in to a room and giving me and a baby girl like i had a baby girl and he was bringing us coffee mm -hmm. and he was like, I couldn't get it out of my head. It was like driving me insane. I had to like stop meditating. Whoa. <laughs> wow. And I know it's crazy. Holy and then shit. he was doing the dishes at my house when we got back together. And he had this um, like on his back of his arm. I hadn't noticed behind the magnolia. It said true love waits. I'm like, how the fuck did you know? Like, how did you know? I don't. I was just so. I was really. It was one of the things in it's something in life that was like you just don't know. And then I got pregnant right away and it was like topic. And so that was like really hard to go through immediately. But then we got engaged after that because it brought us so close, like the way he was in the hospital when I had to go to the hospital for it and just seeing how he showed up and. I was still so like had so much of a hard self-reliant to a fault shell around me. I was like, I'm good. I'll go into the room by myself. He's like, what is fucking wrong with you? <laughs> yeah. Like, let me love you. You're not going into the ER room by yourself. Bridget. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> and I was like, I've got this. I'm fine. <laughs> like, I'm resilient. So though. many problems. Yeah. Well, yeah. You, yeah. It's easy to confuse like weakness with independence with. You know, yeah. Just so hard to let somebody take care of me in that way at mm -hmm. all and my therapist is always like he is truly like one of the first per people who's been brought you like unconditional love and ha has taught me so much about intimacy and vulnerability that I I'm still just baffled by it and then so we had the ectopic and then they told us that um, we couldn't we had to wait six months because they give you a shot of methotrexate to deal with it. Now, if they catch it early enough, which is like chemo, so you can't try and have kids. And it really started the conversation of like, do we even want this? And then the six months from then, it was freaking March of 2020. So world shut down. And then I went in June of 2021 and they said I was in menopause. And so... 
then that was the end of that dream. And we were like totally in acceptance. We're like, we're good. We went home, saw all my family members with their kids. We're like, this is fine. We'll travel. We'll be those cool aunts and uncles. And the whole freaking time we were having that conversation on the beach, I was pregnant. <laughs> That's like, incredible. I don't know anything, guys. What a I beautiful don't know shit. What a beautiful life. <laughs> no, I actually think you know a lot more than most. How can I mean, they? How can they misread? Or I mean, so were you, did they just like read something as menopause that wasn't, or did you get my pregnant levels, during? You? I mean, to be fair, it's weird because I don't know what happens. Like, I didn't get my period for three months after I got the vaccine. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. Oh no, I my periods were god awful ever since I yeah, got the vaccine. So They're finally, I've, I've heard this from so many women that, that it stopped. It's been missed. It's been at bad. Women have come out of menopause. It's like which one did you get? Jesus Christ. The J and J, the fucking baby. I think, okay, they took so I think that's the problem, guys. Too. I think yeah. that's the problem. No, I got the Johnson and Johnson, and literally every single period up until maybe this month is the first normal, normal-ish period. I was diarrhea. I would have to. I would be in a car. I'm vomiting. Uh, the anger and the anxiety and the absolute rage I experienced was similar to when I was on the birth control pill because that wow. fucked me up so bad I felt like I was going into psychosis didn't they Maybe recall this JJ baby is a vaccine miracle though well I took mine like the freaking yeah. day before it yeah they was like they, you're the not market. allowed to get that one anymore oh wow you can't <laughs> yeah no they recalled it they were, no yeah. they recalled it from blood clots for and then, a week well, they, but I think they, they did it from stop blood producing clots, it and now it's back I got it after they no, got it back I think they've stopped producing it though well Johnson and Johnson is uh allegedly chat notoriously um they've had so many lawsuits over their products oh, yeah, like the my baby mom powder thing. Yeah, yeah my mom got the medical mesh and then it came out that it was ruining women's organs it was sticking to your organs my mother can't even get a fucking pap smear because she's in so much pain because johnson and johnson's medical mesh is implanted in her bladder and if they take it out her wow. bladder's gonna burst so yeah, so we ended up. Um, I don't know why my love, my levels might have that might have been true, mm -hmm. but then I have no idea. It's like wild, and then yeah. So I have. I mean, I can like you would laugh. I have like menopocalypse. I was like, all right, I'm gonna girl boss this shit. I'm gonna like get in <laughs> I my menopause where years, even though it's super early. I'm four. I was 42. That's early. Yeah. to go into menopause. I was gonna say I was like I was so surprised when you said that. Okay. Yeah, but sometimes perimenopause women. Can going to menopause in their 30s uh it's a lot of very lot yeah. of factors so it's been like a pretty wild ride and now yeah i sit Holy here shit. and i get it's been just like trying to manage the anxiety around it because i think um i'm not used to letting myself like want anything mm -hmm. and i'm like i want to meet her yeah that's it's gonna amazing. be exciting holy yeah. shit i'm wow i'm very inspired by you bridget this is this has been an <laughs> it's incredible been a, it's a it's been a you've, journey. You've been through the fucking <laughs> ringer since you were little and you are able to find yourself. One thing that seems very consistent throughout your story is like you are very, no matter how much bullshit you thought you were full of or how addicted to any given drug at that time you, you, you were, you were still like pretty steadfast with your own recovery. Like you were leading that charge. Yeah, I think that that I I've been really confronting like the lies that's the hard thing you yep. know that's like in in recovery is confronting like the lies you tell yourself and, and that you cling to one of the lies i told myself was that i didn't want kids i was actually gonna like attach that because i i did want to uh, put a button on this podcast with that conversation that we were having on yours about you know when you had this experience being on being on a show where people said women are less happy because they're not having children so what was your yeah. experience and what like what show was this 
Oh, it was a great conversation because it sure. was it managed to be really nuanced. But I think that I, I think a lot of nuance gets lost around that conversation around modern feminism and maybe right. the over correction of it yes. from perhaps a male perspective. But I'm like, yo, women didn't have a choice. We were property. This was this was not something that you ever got to choose. And you were essentially a slave to your your biology forever and women die in childbirth like it's just insane even watching in my birth class like the more i learn about childbirth and labor and all of it like women are just fucking badass we've carried this this whole species on our backs and in our wombs and it is just amazing to me how strong we are like really truly in a deep crazy way strong maybe not you know like able to lift lumber but in <laughs> yeah, just a, uh, that's not it that's like, strength overrated yeah it's just crazy to me yeah i'm like how am i getting a baby out of here i, I do it's not gonna understand happen. it yeah <laughs> like, yeah it just don't <laughs> it does not make sense to me but I think I I don't we were like I said my husband and I were in total we are late bloomers I was 42 he was 46 when we were having that conversation mm -hmm. so we were totally in acceptance and I was happy with that you know I'm like if we want to adopt in like five years we yeah, can adopt sure I don't feel like I don't feel like you have to be a mother to be like a fully formed woman you know right. I think that no of course not yeah there's a lot of pressure I I will say. I have tapped into some some secret society of being a woman that you enter when you become pregnant and are like, I just was so self-absorbed and whenever women, I wasn't one of those people that saw women who was like, what a goddess. And oh, okay. like, oh my God, I want to touch her belly. Or yeah, you I were dealing with nothing. a lot of shit. <laughs> <laughs> but I just was really, I, ju I think that I think about it like all my siblings and my sisters-in-law all the people in my life who have had kids where they talk about it and I would just like zone out and not <laughs> listen not be interested I was like oh god this is like Fuck all losers. they can freaking talk about and I don't understand <laughs> but once you're in that space I was like why didn't I fucking listen why didn't I listen to what happened to them in the first trimester what happened to them when they gave birth like why didn't I pay attention to this stuff because I I just I was I didn't think it was for me and I didn't really want kids until I met Jaren. I didn't want a child for just having a child's sake. I wanted a family. Yeah. And by the time I met him, it was a bit late. And today, just today, I was writing about how I wished my dad sat me down at 37 and had a conversation with me about freezing my eggs, which I did not take seriously and I had been working on a comedy bit about how that anyways and how I was like, isn't that like freezing a chicken after it's been in the fridge for eight days? Like, are you really gonna, isn't it, aren't I already past the sell by date? <laughs> like, right. At <laughs> That's 37 very years old. <laughs> my dad was like, I didn't realize you had a whole chicken metaphor worked out. I was like, it's a bit <laughs> and it's not going well. I usually just get pity size, which is the worst. Oh. And I look back on that now and I'm like, it wasn't too late. Yeah, because what I've learned about fertility is that you do have eggs and you're fertile and yeah. then that shit falls off a cliff. That's not guaranteed you're going to have a baby if you do harvest. egg. It's like an insurance policy. Mm -hmm. 
But at least there would have been an option when I met Jaron, which, by the way, I never thought I was going to. My dad's like, someday you might meet a great guy. I was like, that's the best joke I've ever heard. (laughs) I didn't see. I didn't know. I just didn't know. And I wish somebody had sat me down and been like a woman particularly and said, you and because people had said that to me my whole life when I was like, I don't want kids. Mm -hmm. And at 37, I still felt that way. And I was like, yeah, I still don't want kids. And you guys have been saying that I'm going to change my mind for like ever. And I hate that anyway, that you're like going to tell me that I'm like, you don't say that to somebody who has kids, mm-hmm. you know, right. <laughs> it's like you're going to change your mind about that. You <laughs> right. Want to throw that. Child you're going to want to murder them one day. And you might. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but also too it's hard to like how can you want a child when you you're not even you, you hadn't got like you don't have a partner you want to procreate with yet that's playing yeah. the cart before the horse which we do all the time so it's hard to conceive of but i do think that i wished i think there was a point right after my topic when and then when i found out i was in menopause like Oh, maybe I should have listened to my dad because at least I, I would have had an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I and by the way, I didn't have the resources, so it's not exactly like you, yeah. it's pretty cost yeah. prohibitive to like yeah, the it's so expensive. It's like twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And then they won't even cover. I was being told right before we recorded, like sometimes they won't even rec- they cover it after a certain age, after like 44. Mm-hmm. They won't cover the like Fuck IVF. Off, really? What oh, the right. Yeah, because the chances are, are so, so slim. Much. It's not a good investment, yeah. basically. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It's a, it's like a whole interesting thing, but I don't, I don't, and I got, you know, I'm here now and I'm still very, I've been very like superstitious and trying, trying to balance my, expectations and not be disappointed and the and also be allow myself to be excited and like it's a mind fuck the whole thing is mind fuck and well thank you (laughs) for like that's you've been through a lot and you uh (laughs) you are your kid's very lucky your daughter is very lucky lucky. it's gonna be fun you're good you're gonna be a good mom yeah yeah you've had more experience (laughs) in life than most people have uh go through their whole entire lives with without the knowledge that you've gathered in in painful ways but that's the knowledge that sticks and that's what gets you closer to yourself and that's incredible my therapist always reminds me about her her name will be matilda which means mighty in battle just so i love that (laughs) i'm equipping her um (laughs) like you're being born into quite a world (laughs) and she's always like it's bigger than you and i have to just remember that Mm -hmm. like it's that's the hardest thing is surrendering to these i would just say be like people when I first got sober were like, you aren't going to know who you are. You don't even know what you want. And and I, I really think being open to not just not holding myself slave to that narrative that I'd been um, Told, really pushed. ingrained is like the best thing I ever did. It's beautiful. 
Thank you so much for uh, sharing your life and the layers that you've peeled back with us. We really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Was, I'm very I was, moved. Like, rambling. No, no, no. <laughs> this is a very memorable interview for for me in particular. I think it's it's beautiful the way your story has unfolded. That's really exciting. It's so wild. I never would have known. Yeah, you, know? you never know. Like, you never know what's in gives, store for you. It should give people so much hope. Because I will. I, I, if you at like at 37, I could not have seen this. Yeah, that's incredible. And now I look around and I'm like, holy. Holy shit. <laughs> it's also a nice reminder. I think so often we're taught as women that like, you know, life starts closing up or slowing down when no. you're in your think, well, And I'm yeah. just like, it's just not, it's not true. And, you know, people will just have to wait and see. And you have a, you have this, I don't know, uh, I forget what store sells that print behind you, you uh, of a bridge or of a rope bridge. Uh, and the, it's like, into, the perspective is like wherever you're standing now looking at that print is like you've come such a long way. So it's like you're that tree back there in the dust or like the old version of you is on the other side of that bridge. And now like you are, you get to bask in the the life you've created for yourself, the life that you've earned, that you've worked for. Which I is will really try cool. and do that. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> where, can, where can people find you online? What would you like um, to promote? Bridget Fetacy everywhere. You can find me at Fetacy.com. I have a little subscriber community. And then Walk-In's Welcome is my podcast, which you guys have been on and are amazing. And um, I have a show on YouTube called Dumpster Fire. And that's, I think, pretty much it. Oh, I have a sub stack where I'm writing about a lot of this stuff. Awesome. My geriatric mommy blog. Hell yeah. <laughs> I love that. Thank you so much. This has been Guys We Fucked, the anti-slut shaming podcast. We will talk to you next Friday. Guys We Fucked is presented by Luminary. Created and hosted by Corinne Fisher and Christina Hutchinson. Editing and music coordination by Mike Coscarelli. Theme song by Rob Patterson and Jake Cozen. Suck my wet ass pussy. <laughs> Christina said to cut that before, but now it's in there. Yeah, let's keep it. Who cares? Good.